Hello everybody, this is History in Faces, Mao Zedong Cycle, fourth episode. Already in December 1949, Mao made an official visit to Moscow, at the invitation of the Kremlin. Upon arrival on the same day in the evening, a meeting was organized with Stalin, where general points were discussed. This of course didn't suit the Chinese leader, and moreover soon he was sent to the Kremlin cottage, where he simply languished for four and a half days. Mao was confused. Finally, after that, he was invited to Stalin's birthday at the Bolshoi Theater, where he hoped after the festivities to discuss issues that really excited him. But there he was made to understand that it wasn't the right time. Again, he was sent to the cottage, where he stayed for 30 days, though he visited many historical places both in Moscow and St. Petersburg. But still, Mao was terribly angry. Quote, you invited me to Moscow and I do nothing, so why did I come? Have I come here to eat all day, sleep and defecate? It can be assumed that Stalin makes it clear who Mao is and where he is in relation to the leader. After waiting, Stalin resumed negotiations, saying a series of agreements on friendship, mutual assistance and a loan. A huge number of Soviet specialists soon went to China to help building the most important industrial facilities. Mao began active Stalinization of China. After the exile of the government of Chiang Kai-shek to Taiwan, hostilities didn't stop, only this time against internal opponents and very social strata, which in the past didn't prove support, like rural-related power structures or varying degrees. According to the official figures, by the end of 1951, over 2 million people were killed and the same number were sent to labor camps. The purge of the army from the former Kuomintang officers, who joined the People's Liberation Army, didn't pass by. Soon, the intelligentsia became the object of ideological struggle. In total, more than 4 million counter-revolutionaries were repressed. But despite such an active, repressive company, the state also made great efforts for building the most important industrial facilities. Mao Zedong received wide support not only in the state apparatus, but also among ordinary people. After Khrushchev came to power, Sino-Soviet relations entered a new phase. Another large-scale loan agreements were signed, increased assistance in the construction of industrial enterprises. Assistance was also provided in the development of the first five-year plan. Moreover, Khrushchev promised to help China in the development of nuclear weapons, as well as in the training of nuclear specialists. But despite such cordiality on the part of the Soviet leader, Mao, who respected and trembled before Stalin, before his strength and charisma, Khrushchev wasn't close to Stalin in authority and respect. And after the first meetings, Mao generally perceived him as a weak politician, who was ready for everything to enlist the support of the Chinese leader. Soon, China was shocked by the news. At the 20th Congress of the CPCU Central Committee, Khrushchev debunked Stalin's personality cult. This caused a storm of indignation from Mao Zedong. The idol he acquired was simply destroyed. He couldn't accept this. Six months later, relations between the countries became even worse after the Soviet troops were brought into Hungary. How could this even be? Troops are brought into an independent state without consultation with other countries of the social bloc? But what if tomorrow the Soviet Union will be dissatisfied with the policy of China and send its troops already to Beijing? Mao Zedong strongly condemned the actions of the USSR. On the 40th anniversary of the October Revolution, Mao was invited to Moscow. Khrushchev tried to establish relations with the head of China, while Mao in turn behaved quite defiantly, showing obvious disrespect to the leader of the USSR and later shocking everyone at the official meeting, saying, let's try to guess how many people will die if the war breaks out. 
perhaps out of 2.7 billion people of the population of the whole world, human losses will amount to one third, and maybe even more, of humanity. As soon as the war begins, atomic and hydrogen bombs will fall. In extreme case, how the people will die, but that the how will remain, and the imperialists will be wiped off the face of the earth, and the whole world will become socialist. So that's how we ended the last trip of Mao Zedong to Russia. Upon arrival at home, Mao began to seriously talk about the special path of China. He believed that the country's economy wasn't growing fast enough. It needed a great leap forward. Although the growth rate was very fast, about 17% annually, he believed that the country doesn't produce enough steel. In order to be on the power with the world powers, it is necessary to increase its output many times over. As he said in Moscow shortly before that, China would overtake Great Britain in 15 years as well as other advanced countries in terms of basic indicators of economic development. For him, for some reason, it was steel and grain. Mao proposed to lure the people with a new pest control company, the so-called Four Evils. Rats, mosquitoes, flies and sparrows. On the one hand, indeed, rats, mosquitoes, flies were carriers of diseases, but sparrows? Mao believed that sparrows packed too much grain. So it is estimated that there are 2.5 billion sparrows in China, each packing 2.5 kilograms of grain per year. As a result, grain disappears, which could have been fed over 35 million people. In February 1958, a decree on the struggle was issued. Tens of millions of people began to follow the instructions of the leader. People waved rags, shouted, beat with sticks, didn't let the birds sit down. If you do not let the sparrow sit for more than four hours, it will simply fall dead. No less active was the struggle against other pests. Only in one Chongqing, during several days of hunting, two tons of fly levy were destroyed. More than 230,000 rats, 10,000 sparrows were handed over to the state. Mao urged people not to slow down, mobilize everyone to fight pests. The consequence of this mass campaign was that the locusts and other insects that sparrows were eating now multiplied in such quantities that they simply ate all the crops. The results were horrific. The ecological balance was broken. Mao didn't stop there. The so-called communes numbering more than 10,000 yards were introduced. Through the first commune total 43,000 people. The main principle then was division of labor in order to maximize efficient production. All home kitchens were eliminated and public canteens began to be created. This made it possible to free women workers for overtime work in the field. Salaries, household plots were eliminated, free food was introduced, and there was no need to even have bowels and cups. Looking at these successes, in May 58, he declared that China could overtake England, not in 15 years, but just in 7. After only a month, he was sure that already in 59th, China would overtake England, and in 5 years it would approach still making in the USSR. That is about 20-25 million tons, though China produced only 5 million tons in 1958. By the seventh year, Mao planned receiving 700 million tons of steel, no less ambitious for the plants in agriculture. In 58, he demanded to double the production of grain, bringing it to 300-350 million tons. Although according to original plan, even in 1962, the harvest could have amounted to just over 250 million tons. In August of that year, Mao announced, quote, The main line for today's industry, the whole party, the whole people are engaged in industrial issues. The next massive company begin, where all the country's forces were rewarded to steel production. 
blast furnaces begin to appear throughout the country, in which day and night people smell it still from everything that they could find. Showers, door handles, almost everything. The quality of such steel was very low, so it was impossible to use it anywhere. By the end of the year, the plan was completed. China produced 11 million tons of metal, most of which was good for nothing. Stupidity was raised to the absolute, and agriculture new methods were introduced. Mao should quote, the thicker the seeds are sown, the easier it is for them to grow. Naturally, all these methods aimed at increasing seedlings, did the opposite, killing young seedlings. Deploying of the land was also practiced, which yielded nothing, but on the contrary, destroyed the soil. Moreover, having thrown all the country's forces to smelt like steel, the gathering of sowings fell on the shoulders of women, the elderly and children. The situation was aggravated by the fact that the regional authorities reported on record harvest. In fact, when they had to pay the state, almost all grain was taken from peasants. Mao, however, didn't recognize the existence of the crisis, and moreover, he wasn't ready to buy grain from outside. He didn't want to lose his face. By the end of that year, the situation in the country began to deteriorate. Food shortages aroused. Mass hunger began. More than 25 million people were malnourished. 1959th was the year of crop failures. Among other things, relations between two countries worsened. So in September of 1959, Khrushchev made a two-week trip to the United States, which caused a new wave of indignation from the Chinese leader. Khrushchev on many controversial issues related to China either took a natural position or even spoke on the part of the Americans. The split between two countries intensified. It came to the point that the leader of CPCU Central Committee cancelled the transfer of the bomb to China. Meanwhile, the big lab in the country didn't stop, although the situation in the country worsened, so in 1916 the whole country was struck by a severe drought. There has been no such heat since the beginning of the century. Following the drought, heavy rains came, the rivers outflowed the banks. In total for this year, 143.5 million tons of grain were harvested, 50 million less than in the previous year. Peasants suffered the most, from whom the state took everything to the last drop. People died tens of thousands every day. In many areas, people, according to eyewitnesses, ate land mixed with weeds. In some provinces, a whole village died out. In January 1961, the ninth plenary session of the CPCU Central Committee was held. We decided to suspend the policy of the Great Leap Forward. A decision was made to purchase grain from Australia, Canada, and even from the United States. It is estimated that more than 30 million people died because of this company. That all damage amounted to about 120 billion yuan, which is two times higher than the volume of capital investment the PRC economy made over the past five years. These were the terrifying results of the new political course that Mao Zedong proclaimed. The price for the great leap that China made. I hope that you liked this episode. Stay tuned, subscribe, leave likes, comments, and see you later. Bye.